Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is your friend and narrator, Adam Danger. And we are part of a new show today called Not So High Fidelity. Hope you like the little pun there, the little joke. Uh, today I'm joined with my friend, Tessa MTV. Tessa, go ahead and say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. Tessa MTV here. Tessa, how you doing? Oh, it's just another day in uh, the land of quarantine. How about you? Yeah, it's about the same. I uh, got up this morning. This isn't a blues song, but I got up this morning. <laughs> and uh, I first that's of quite all, went, you know, I think that's quite appropriate, you know, waking up to the blues. Right. This is kind of where the blues originated from being in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I'm doing okay. Uh, just kind of making it, making it through the day, listening to some of my favorite vinyl, drinking some coffee, and staying in from everybody. So it's not all bad, is it? Yeah, I mean that's the way to do it. For sure, for sure. So uh, with today's episode, what we want to do is kind of, again, this is a new kind of format, new kind of show. We want to talk about music, movies, uh, anything that we both kind of like and have strong feelings and opinions on, and stuff that we hope you will enjoy too fab listener and i'll say today's topic du jour which is a bit redundant is the smiths uh tessa how do you feel about the smiths oh the smiths the smiths they are um quite the band wouldn't you say um i wouldn't necessarily call the smiths my favorite band they are certainly one of my favorite bands and just to kind of give everyone a little background of, you know, how I discovered them and why I became so enamored with them. Um, I really, you know, didn't discover the Smiths until I would say probably, you know, around the age of 18 or 19, you know, I was at that time, just a college freshman in 1996, 1997, around that period of time. And I think like most people, the uh, song that caught my attention um, was How Soon Is Now, I think, oh, yeah. just like everybody else. Everybody knows that song. Um, I'm somebody who is very driven by the way something sounds. I would say the lyrics of a song are sort of secondary to me. So initially, the way that this sound, uh, this song sounded is what drew me to the Smiths. You know, that jangly Johnny Marr guitar um, coupled with Morrissey's expressive voice. Um, so when I really started paying attention to the lyrics, I think that's really when it all kind of came together for me. Um, you know, I found myself really relating to a lot of the things Morrissey was singing about. Um, regret, loneliness, longing, alienation, you know, all those uh, typical teenage angst, angsty stuff. <laughs> all those classic tropes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think at the same time, a lot of the lyrics are actually quite witty and very tongue-in-cheek. Oh, yeah. And um, I think, as we all know, Morrissey is a big fan of uh, Oscar Wilde. And I think that definitely comes through in the lyrics. Um, so I think also the Smiths for me... Um, they really evoke a little nostalgia for me. Um, the Smiths really remind me of, um, our, you know, some of our friends that we have in common. I know, I know a lot of us listen to 
the Smiths, um, you know, other artists like uh, The Cure, New Order, uh, bands like that. And, you know, it just reminds me of all of those times when we would go to uh, Southtown 101. Uh, <laughs> That's good really old, nice. Good, yeah, good old Charlie Castleman. Um, and he's still doing it to this day. You know, he puts on um, what we refer to as Morrissey Night, but it's he really calls it Strange Ways. And, you know, that's that's what's he what he's playing. It's the Smiths, New Order, all of the all of that good 80s new wave that we all love. Shout um, out to uh, Charlie Castleman there. Uh, whenever my brother and I, uh, Joshy Numbers, would walk in the bar, uh, Southtown 101, he would always play Blur. Oh, my gosh. Or would he play Common People? He would play this one. No, nah, I'm sorry. Now I feel bad because he would play just for Josh and I. And we look like little lads coming in, you know, from uh, from in 1994 London, Carnaby Street or something, looking so cool in that that little bar. Uh, but yeah, he would he would throw it on, and, and we would just dance and have a tremendous time. Yeah, everybody in there with their Smiths or Morrissey shirt on, good times. For sure, for sure. Well, I can definitely I can definitely agree with you there about. Uh, it's funny that you said you discovered them at 18 or 19. Um, here's here's my little story. So I was in a fraternity, and this is about, ooh, 2007, 2008, uh, as I want to do. And I was at a party, and I was in the backyard, and we were playing uh, beer pong, or as a gentleman refers to it as Beirut. So I'm, <laughs> I'm outside in the backyard. It's a muggy San Antonio night. I'm drinking, I'm drinking. And my fraternity brother, Brian, has one of the first, uh, like, XM radio but it was like a almost the size of like a, a small Walkman, right? It was like a detachable radio that you could uh, put into a set of speakers and just play satellite radio. And folks, you know, this is way before anything cool like apps yeah. were developed or smartphones. I actually had one of those. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he put it on. I think he put on like some random 80s channel or whatever, and I wasn't paying attention. So I'm playing and I'm, I'm, I'm playing Beirut. I'm throwing ping pongs into... Uh, into red solo cups and just drinking light beer and just having a good time. And then all of a sudden, as if you know, my ears could part, I hear and I was like, what is this song? What is this jangly guitar? It's as if it fell down uh, from Mount Sinai. And I just I couldn't believe it. And I just I remember being in a haze. And so I went to the little speaker. And I took out my flip phone, my little flip phone there, and I wrote a little note. And I said, I have been looking for this song for years. And just like you, you know, uh, this song had been played in commercials and in movies, and you would hear it, and I just never knew the name of the song. And so I said, okay, cool. I wrote the name down, I put it in my flip phone, I put a little note, and then I put it back in my phone, and I just continued drinking and having a good time. And then I wake up the next morning, and I'm kind of sweaty, and I'm hungover, which, you know, I know is uh, doing it for you, listener. Uh, but <laughs> hey, I, it's, I, that, it's that uh, typical typical uh, college experience. We all yeah. go through that. <laughs> yeah, I know my halcyon days of yore. So I take open my phone, and I'm like, "What is the name of the song? I forgot about it. Oh my gosh!" And my note says, "How soon is now, Smith?" And I was like, <laughs> How I was like, "Is this a riddle? Like, what am I doing? Like." And again, if they were smarter, I would have just taken like a picture of it. But, you know, photo technology on phones at the time wasn't as sophisticated as it is today. So I went to my computer. I had to power it up. I had to wait 15 minutes. I made a 
bagel. Then I came back and my computer was ready to go. And I went to iTunes because I guess back at the time, YouTube wasn't as it wasn't as big. It wouldn't have as many songs or videos as, as we have now. Uh, so I typed in how soon is now. Boom, like the best of the Smiths comes up to buy. And I'm sure you remember, Tessa, like you could listen to like 30 seconds of a song just to see, is this the song that I heard? Is this what yeah. I want? I can is buy this it the song that I want to buy? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I did. I found it. And I. it was like it all made sense from that point. It, the song I'd been searching for, I'd been listening to. I found it. And so I bought it. I think I bought it twice. I think I have two copies of How Soon Is Now. Um, and I just played it over and over again. I put it on my iPod and I played it over and over again. I want to say I probably also bought the, uh, and I'll say bought, I'm not sure if I torrented it or not, but I bought like the Smith's greatest hits. So I was like, if this song is indicative of, of what this band is like, I have to, I have to hear more. Right. And so mm -hmm. that was kind of how I, I got started. And, and just like you said, you know, uh, there's something, there's a dichotomy of, kind of the happy music and the dance music of the Smiths and then Morrissey's kind of dark black humor uh, yeah. lyrics, you know, something like uh, Girlfriend in a Coma comes to mind. Like that's yeah. such a, a buoyant song and fun. And in any other hands, it would be, uh, it would be kind of predictable, but with like Girlfriend in a Coma, I know it's serious. You're like, oh my God, there's a, there's a biting edge to it. And I think that's, one of the the aspects of the Smiths music that that carries on to today is that there's a a cool balance of light and danceable music but also biting edge yeah i mean i would i would say that that's primarily a reason why i'm really drawn to them as well is yes morrissey you know he's constantly singing about you know his woe is me life. He's very self-deprecating, um, wants you to feel sorry for him all of the time, and nobody understands him. And I think all of us at one time or another, whether we were teenagers or even, you know, in our 30s and 40s, 20s, 30s and 40s, we all feel like that at some time. And I think that's why, why you know, they have such an immense following the way that they do, because we all identify a little bit with that to some degree. Um, and at the same time, it's um, some of their songs, they sound, you know, jangly and poppy and, and just like fun songs. But if you actually really listen to the lyrics, it doesn't necessarily go together, but in some ways it does. Yeah, I'm definitely right there with you. Well, let's get started here. Tessa, tell me what is your favorite Smiths record? So I would say that my favorite record is uh, the record that introduced us to the Smiths, and that would be their self-titled album, um, The Smiths, released in 1984. Um, this is the album where we are first introduced to that genius uh, collaboration, the tag team of Morrissey and Johnny Marr. Um, I think Johnny Marr's catchy, melodic guitar, the jangly sound, that, that, that iconic jangly sound that you um, associate with the Smiths and, you know, you pair that with Morrissey's dramatic vocals. I mean, it's just, to me, it's otherworldly. I think with this album, 
the Smiths brought a unique sound to the table that maybe was not necessarily heard at the time. I mean, I think you could say, sure, um, they sound similar to other Britpop bands around at that time, but I think it could also be said that they didn't sound like anyone else. I mean, I think even today, you could still say that there's no band that sounds like the Smiths. Um, I wouldn't necessarily go as far to say that this is the best Smiths album, but I would certainly call call it my favorite because, um, you know, although you can tell that they're still kind of looking for their footing and consistency as a band, um, you know, you could definitely definitely tell that they're well on their way to becoming, at that time, one of the most influential bands to come out of the 80s. Um, off the top of my head, I think um, many bands have been, you know, quite influenced uh, by the Smiths. And I think, I think, you know, right off the top of my head, I could, if I could name some bands that I think you can obviously tell that they've been influenced by them. Blur, you know, you mentioned Blur earlier. Radiohead, definitely The Killers. Oasis. Um, Oasis, <laughs> for sure. Um, so what would you say your favorite Smiths album is, Adam? Well, that's very. Uh, that's a very good question, Tessa. It's almost like we practiced this before we got on here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Meet is Murder. I really, really enjoyed Meet is Murder. Uh, again, I have kind of a special place in my heart for this record. Um, as many body, many body, anybody or many people <laughs> know me, uh, know that I lived in Chicago for about a year and a half, almost two years. And at the time, I was making dog biscuits for a small company, and I was mm-hmm. barely, I was barely getting by. I was hardly eating. Uh, I was barely making my rent. But you know, I was about 23, 24. But really, when you're that age, all you need is maybe uh, a pint of beer and some good tunes and you're okay, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just remember traipsing along the cold Chicago cement. It'd be snowy. And I just had my iPod, this big black iPod uh, plugged into my ears. And I would listen to Meet His Murder over and over and over again. And it was like I was transfixed. Um, and I listened to the American cut which is different from the the original English cut because the American cut of the album contains housing this now, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I really I really enjoy Media's Murder for several uh, several reasons. I think first off is this is peak Morrissey. And when I say peak Morrissey, I think that all the songs, there's no fat on the songs, right? They're very lean, the lyrics are good. Um, Lyrics like, it was dark as I drove the point home, uh, demonstrate how clever Morrissey can be and how he can have what's known as like an economy of words. Uh, not unlike another famous Northern songwriter, John Lennon. You know, John Lennon writes and he would say that, uh, say what you need to say, make it rhyme, put a backbeat to it, and there you go. You know, Don't overcomplicate songs. And I think Morrissey kind of follows in that vein. He can say... Something like uh, grease in the hair of the speedway operator is all a tremulous heart requires. And it's like, oh, my goodness, like how funny and clever. And it really just tells a story. But you only said it with uh, with a short line uh, like that. And so, again, I think Morrissey songs here, the lyrics are sharp. The songs are uh, biting. 
and there's no fat on them. I think after this, like post mids, uh, early uh, solo Morrissey's good. The songs are like Suede Head and uh, you know, or uh, Death in the Family. I think are really good. But once you get into the '90s, I think once Morrissey gets into uh, Beverly Hills, uh, he just kind of you know he settles. He's made money. He's living his life, and the songs are okay. They're not as sharp, and they're not young, and they're not hungry. Uh, as as kind of songs in the Smiths catalog are, uh, yeah, yeah, I I tend to agree with you there. Um, I would think I would say you know immediately after he you know the Smiths broke up and he became Morrissey the solo artist. I think I would say that I liked a lot of what he did. Hairdresser on Fire is probably yeah. my favorite. Uh, Morrissey song but I think as the years progressed and he turned into you know an old crabby man the music wasn't as good for me would you yeah agree? no I'm, I'm right there with you but I, I can say that with um, I think any of the solo Smith's works like Johnny Marr's work is fine the the and the uh, was it the cribs and any of his solo work it's fine it's okay but it doesn't have the songs aren't as tight the music isn't as as fun, um, you know. Like no one ever talks about solo, you know, David Gilmore work or anything like that. It's Pink Floyd mm-hmm. uh, or you know maybe Brian May, wonderful guitarist. But does anyone talk about like maybe a solo record he cut or any projects outside of Queen? Not really, you know. I think I think the they're all their best work was is as the Smiths. Uh, yeah, the sum also, is the sum is greater than the parts. For sure, or as the Germans call it, Gestalt. <laughs> um, uh, I think another thing too, when we talk about Morrissey, like post Smith's Morrissey, uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about, you know, uh, his racism, and it's never <laughs> a fun topic to talk about. But I think he, as a Smith's fan, as a fan of Morrissey, we always kind of have to reconcile the fact that, like, yeah, these lyrics are great, and I love these songs, uh, but he's racist. And uh, yeah, there's always that. Yeah, but it's almost right. like we always we have to apologize for for liking Morrissey. We like Morrissey, but people are like, yeah, but he's a this, he's a that. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of have to, oh, we have to wince whenever his name comes up in like Twitter or something, because it's like, what did he say now? And it's like, uh, and also as a person- Did he, did he uh, cancel, cancel another concert, you know? I was just about to say that. <laughs> I was just about to say like, we're so lucky that we got to see him what, in 2013 when he came to San Antonio? Because since then, he's always canceled San Antonio, even though we adore and we love him. Uh, he's always leaving us high and dry there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it It has certainly happened to me. I bought tickets for a performance in San Antonio, and he canceled it, um, and it was never rescheduled. But I did get to see him in Austin, and fortunately, he did not cancel that that concert so it doesn't seem to cancel austin as much as it does san antonio morrissey listening <laughs> to you uh but uh, other reasons i really like meet is murder um it has so many different genres in the one album there's disco with uh, barbarism begins at home there's country with songs like nowhere fast uh, rockabilly with uh, rockabilly uh uh rush rush ruffians which is funny enough if you listen to an elvis presley song called his latest flame it's the same guitar work. Johnny Marr took this guitar work for this Elvis song that goes, I had a friend that bought today. He's the youngest girl with the blackest hair, prettiest girl anywhere. Uh, Marie's her name. 
of his latest flame. And then you start with Rushmore Ruffians. It's like, which is like a bow diddly beat, but it's rockabilly, right? It's a rockabilly song. Uh, and then it, it, at the end, you kind of end the album with one of my friends, Graham, was like, this is almost an industrial kind of prog song with Meet His Murder itself. So uh, the whole album kicks off with like Headmaster's Ritual, which is kind of like a dance song, like an 80s dance song talking about like abuse at school and getting beat up by bullies and bullying. And it's like, I can dance to this, but I also feel bad for the the singer here who's, you know, roughed up in the showers and meets and devours and I want to go home, right? It's like, so again, kind of, I think peak Smith's, peak Morrissey of um, just great sounding songs. They're clean. The recording is tremendous. Um, also, I think onto that uh, note, this is a total band record. I think you get to see the likes of Andy Rourke and Mike Joyce uh, as a swinging, funky kind of backbeat and rhythm section. And, and I think they really get to shine on this record. And again, this is why the Smiths records are, are great is because these four guys are so talented. Uh, Johnny Marr, Morrissey, Andy Rourke, and Mike Joyce that they bring the best out of each other and they can play and they're just like a crack team. And uh, this album is a, it's a total band album. And again, it reminds me of, I can draw a parallel, so maybe Rubber Soul by the Beatles. Uh, Rubber Soul is an album that all four guys and a great, uh, and a great engineer, uh, producer, put together. And everyone shines, everyone plays. It's more about collaboration and not obligation. And I think some of the later records while they're still great, like Strange Ways and uh, Queen is Dead are great, that really becomes, this is the Morrissey and Marr show and these other guys are just filling in. But mm -hmm. I think you can hear uh, the four of these guys just really simpatico and, and really, really playing well. Yeah, and I'll go back to the Smiths and, you know, I the, the self-titled album, I said, you know, it's my favorite album um, I wouldn't call it the best, but again, I think they were trying to get their footing and, and work on being a cons consistent collaborative band together. And I think it really shows that on, on the second album, Meet is Murder. Yeah, I like on uh, the first album, I really like, uh, oh man, well, I love so many songs in there, but Suffer Little Children, it ends with Suffer Little Children which is a really, really dark song. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's about like the Moore murders. Of, yeah, the Moore murders, and it's like a slow ballad. Um, and I think that the funny thing about uh, the first Smiths album is like they cut it, they recorded it, I believe, with Troy Tate, but they didn't like his mixing of it. And mm -hmm. so they went, I forget the name of the, the second producer, went over it again and it made it a little bit cleaner, but it's still kind of a rough sounding album. It, and it has, I think that's part of the charm is it's a jagged northern album uh, in the days when, when records like Phil Collins or something, um, Genesis and, and solo Phil Collins, super produced, super slick. Everyone looks cool. Everyone has like big shoulder pads and everyone's like, hello, this <laughs> Everybody is Everybody had 80s. shoulder pads in the 80s. <laughs> right. I, I saw this. There's this beautiful documentary. It was called The Seven Ages of Rock. And they talk about uh, British indie and they kind of start with the Smiths and they talk about them going to the top of the pops. And I think it's uh, Mike Joyce shows up and he's talking about, you know, we're in the, we're in the green room, we're ready to go. And I'm not sure if Morrissey is this the one where he had the gladiolas, but he's there. And, and someone, one of the people on top of the pops was like, okay, what are you going to wear for the show? 
and they're just wearing like black t-shirts and jeans, you know, just real kind of plain Jane. And he's like, well, I'm going to wear this. And she's like, but you're going on TV. And he's like, I know. And, uh, and again, it was super overproduced. Everything was cool. And, and, you know, we're in the MTV age of it. You have to have a brand. You have to look cool. It has to be made for TV. And these, Four guys from Manchester show up and they're a bit scruffy uh, and skinny and mean and no one knows what ice at the time nobody knew what to make of them Mm -hmm. especially Morrissey I mean he had the whole androgynous look going and I think everybody was just a little curious about him and, and didn't know exactly what to make with of him and I think that's that's sort of the appeal of Morrissey and the Smiths. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, another interesting note, I think around this time, is I think it's 84, it's probably after Meet His Murder, uh, a record producer or concert promoter says, uh, one more big tour like this and you can be as big as U2. And he goes, not everyone wants to be like U2. And I always thought that's kind of funny. And I think like, yeah, the trajectory... Uh, the bands are kind of similar, uh, and but U2 kind of takes those next steps, and they don't, they're unabashedly, uh, and they're a great band, but they're unabashedly uh, okay with becoming big and famous and made for MTV and touring, and everything just got bigger and bigger, whereas the Smiths, honestly, they're only around for four years, and they call it, you know, they call it after that, and, and they never got that big. I'd say influential, they're probably about the same influentially, but U2, you know, knew what they were doing, and they became a huge, you know, world conquering band. And so ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk about our favorite songs? Yes, I would. What is uh, a song that you would recommend off of the first Smith's record? A song I would recommend. Well, I know it's probably, you know, the obvious choice, but I really got to go with uh, this charming man. excellent excellent song i mean god i think it's just an amazing song i mean this is you know the morrissey mar partnership at its best um i think it's probably the most quintessential smith song and and you know obviously one of their most memorable and you know the i think that guitar riff at the very beginning i mean Lord, it gets me every time. It always (laughs) brings, you know, this huge smile to my face. And it's one of those rare songs that I can hear over and over and over again and just never get tired of hearing it. Um, You know, again, Mars, jangly, melodic guitar, I think plays just masterfully against Morrissey's soaring vocals in this song. And to me, it's just like nothing short of majestic. Um... I would say my favorite lyric in the song is I would go out tonight, but I haven't got a stitch to wear. This man said it's gruesome that someone so, so handsome should care. I mean, it's just undeniably catchy, melodic. There's just it's no sexy way. It's as hell. It is. What a and sex line to, to put in there. Yeah. It's just, there's no way that you can avoid singing with a huge smile on your face. It's, it's just a fantastic song. Yeah, no, I, I, I love uh, This Charming Man. I think it just kind of lays the groundwork for everything that Smiths are going to do. And, and honestly, I mean, I think there's sometimes in pop music that you can, there's like a note almost, or there's like an opening riff 
that just mm-hmm. changes the course of, of whether it's rock and roll or uh, hip hop or blues or anything. And, and something like uh, This Charming Man, I, I could put up with like All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix or, uh, you know, uh, Wild Thing by the Trogs, right? Like that opening riff, you know exactly what you're going to get. You know, right. exa- it says almost everything about the band and, and what the record is about. Or, and it really, you know, it all comes back to some sort of like elemental, super, uh, you know, ephemeral. It's elemental and ephemeral at the same time. Like it's 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 everywhere and nowhere at once, but it just tells you everything. And it's just like a, a enlightening moment. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, that I think it was had it been been me and I was producing this record and putting the songs together, I would have started the record with this song. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Reel Around the Fountain is the first song is a little, you know, the subject matter of that song is a little interesting. Um, but I mean, that's what they chose to go with. But, you know, at the same time, I think, you know, it's a nice surprise when you do hear um, this charming man in the middle of the record. And that could almost be, that's probably maybe even a choice. You know, I'm sure there was an A&R guy. I don't know if they were at Rough Trade or what have you. And I was like, this has to be the one that it has to kick it off. It has to kick off the album. This is the, the big single. And it could be Morrissey and Mars saying like, well, no, it's not. You know, we're going to mm-hmm. put out a record and you have to get to the middle of the record to hear the pop song that everybody knows. So again, it's not just, this is, the hot single, and then here's all the other like knockoff songs. You have to accept it as a whole package, uh, which is an even richer experience. But I, I could see that almost being one of their like provisos for the record. Right. So tell me, what's uh, your favorite song on uh, Meet Is Murder? Oh, there's, okay. there's a lot of good ones. Yeah, yeah, pick. it's a hard. And honestly, it's changed as I got older. If you would have asked me at 24 while I was sitting in a cold Saturday night in Chicago, polishing off 12 Budweiser's, the song would have been, uh, this joke isn't funny anymore. I, I, I love the lyrics to it. Um, and again, super clever. You know, it was dark as I drove the point home. And I'm like, oh my God, if I could write, if I could ever get to a point where I could say so much with just a little line like that. And it's kind of a dirge and it just kind of repeats and, and it almost has like a false ending at the end and it comes back in with the guitar uh, I love that joke isn't funny anymore. Whenever I'm in my feels, whenever I want to wrap myself in a Murizian shawl, right, and just cuddle up and think about everything that I've done wrong and what's been done wrong to me, I yeah. put on uh, that joke isn't funny anymore. But as a elder statesman that I am now, living life, I'm going to recommend, I'm going to say Barbarism Begins at Home. It's the second to last record, and it's this funky disco song it's almost like uh, uh, Bowie doing Young Americans, right? Like Bowie doing um, that album, that whole Philly Soul album, because this is essentially a dance record. It's a dance record, but again, the lyrics are about domestic abuse, right? And beating up kids and people at mm-hmm. home, and, and uh, abuse starts at home. And so you're like, oh my God, but you know, you can't help yourself but dance whenever you listen to it. It has a nice long break. And again, you can hear the funky, funky bass lines that I think you hear in like, uh, like not Black Grape, but the Happy Mondays, you know, stuff that's going to come out maybe five, six years later in that kind of Manchester scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just dance, you know, but you could hear it. It's a dance record. And I think that's something that can get lost if you don't really 
uh, appreciate all of the, the Smiths catalogs. These are funky, like guys from Manchester just love to dance and have a good time. And that's just a part of it, as, as well as being kind of like dreary, weary and, you know, Joy Division. Some of those Joy Division New Order songs you can dance to as well. Uh, but yeah, Barbarism Begins at Home, play it. Uh, just play it over and over again, dance to it. You can put that on now anywhere and people are going to get up and start toe tapping. So I recommend it. Put it on. You're not going to regret it. You won't be disappointed. Not at all. Well, Tessa MTV, I think we just about covered it. What say you? I, I don't disagree with you there. Definitely. But if you do disagree with us, I want you to do something, dear listener. Uh, I want you to subscribe to the show, subscribe to the Tank Rodriguez podcast, and leave us a rating. Tell us if you like this. Tell us if you want to hear more. Give us some recommendations of what you'd like to hear us talk about. We might get to it. We might not. Uh, but uh, but definitely take some time to do that. I'd also like to shout out some of the other shows that I'm a part of in some way or another on the Tank Rodriguez Podcast Network, such as the Texas Podcast Massacre, for all you fans of horror movies and horror-related um, accoutrement. Uh, the Stable of Studs, a wrestling podcast that yours truly, Adam Danger, is a part of. Definitely check that out. It's a lot of fun. It's really four to five boys. Sometimes a woman gets on there. And we just mess around and goof off, but it's a it's a lot of fun. Go on Commando for fans of 80s kind of action movie flicks like Commando or Cobra. Uh, some of my friends on there, James Dean and Dirty Derek, also hosted by Tank Rodriguez, the podfather extraordinaire. And finally, the relationship show for all you boys and girls and non-binary types. You want to hear about relationships in the modern age modern love as it were definitely check out the relationship podcast uh check out all the shows here on the tank rodriguez podcast network uh again once again if you've waited this long i want to say thank you to the leader osiris she is your typical i wouldn't even say typical but the model smiths and morrissey fan this goes out to you osiris the leader as your devoted devotee adam danger but with that tessa go ahead and uh, say goodbye to everybody well, uh, first of all, I want to thank you, Adam Danger, for inviting me to have a little fun with you today and talk about one of our favorite subjects, the Smiths. Um, it was a lot of fun going back and listening to these records um, after a while and just remembering why um, I love the Smiths and Morrissey and, and what they mean to me. Um, but again, thank you. It was a lot of fun, and I hope that we can do this again. Yes, I'm sure we have the time at this time, but uh, <laughs> it was good speaking with you, my friend. Yeah. Well, with that, I'm going to be signing off from uh, Radio Land USA, Podcast Land USA. I hope you all have a wonderful week, and I hope that you will allow us to uh, step inside your ear hole sometime soon. Ta-ta!